This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. In and of myself, I know I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and give to your people, Lord. Speak life, hope, and restoration, I pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, congrats to Andy and Samantha Rackstad. Woo, where are you guys at? Just wave. Yes. Tied the knot. They're married. So well, good to have you guys uh, back up here in Minnesota, and congratulations. Always happy about marriages and baby dedications. That means growth. Amen? All those good things. Praise God. Well, um, we prayed, and, and, and I have a message here, and then we're going to receive communion and have kind of an illustration that kind of spoke to me uh, that I want to share, uh, would like to share with you. But I want to just talk to you today, just kind of this communion Sunday and kind of a standalone message and about falling forward. And one of the things that people, when they, if they part of this church for a while and they move on out or they move out of state and then I see them back again and talk with them and or they come visit and one of the things they say that they remember from me is that if you fall you fall see see and so that means you gain six foot one inch amen you know that's how tall I am I'm not shrinking in height regardless of what my kids think and the point is is that when you fall don't fall backwards Amen? Fall forward. That means draw near to the Lord and grow closer to God. Amen? And the enemy wants to beat you up in that. And so I've come to encourage you. And the subtitle of this message is time to get back up. It's time to get back up. Because why? God is not finished with you yet. Did you hear that? He's not finished with you. <clears throat> A couple of texts here. First one is Micah 7, 8. It says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. That's a good word. Some of you should memorize that. Another translation says, do not gloat over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will rise again. And another one says, my enemies, don't be glad because of my troubles. I may have fallen, but I will get back up. It's a good word. Proverbs 24, 16 <clears throat> says this, the godly man or woman, may trip up seven times, but they will get up. Somebody shout, get up. Get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Uh, Another translation of their verse says, a righteous person may fall seven times, but they get back up again. No matter how often honest people fall, they always get up again. And so there's this, there's this truth in these verses about when we make a mistake, when we fall, when we screw up. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here this morning? that you get back up again. That's the heart of God, okay? That's the heart of God, and that's what I'm trying to communicate this morning. The price for a full life is mistakes. Let me say that again. Mistakes are the price for a full life that you have to pay if you learn from them. Men, if you learn from them. See, here's the thing about hell. Hell wants to name you and mock you with your mistakes. That's the 
intent of the devil. But heaven wants to make you and transform you by your mistakes. Can you say amen? amen. See, in other words, failure, watch this, should not be a prison house where you are held hostage the rest of your life by your mistakes. That was a good time for someone to say amen. Are you starting to wake up here this morning? You know, back in 1993, one of the first trips, or 394, I went to Russia and Ukraine, and communism had just recently fallen, and it was just slowly, you know, penetrating through Ukraine, and and we went in, and it's missionaries, and I was uh, with another pastor and a missionary in Odessa, and they were starting a church there, and there was a young pastor there, and and, uh, just a wonderful guy and, and, and married and didn't have any kids and he was, they were ready to kind of implement them because out of this crusade, a church was birthed and there was probably 150 people just in this, uh, uh, this group that said, hey, we're going to become a church here in Odessa and we need a pastor and, and they had this guy as a pastor and I remember meeting with him and, and he was pastoring for a while but he was vacillating. It was vacillating. I remember him telling me, it's like he said, you know, I, I, if I really am a Christian, then I shouldn't have these bad thoughts. And if I really am saved, I, I shouldn't be struggling with sin issues. And, and so he began to beat himself up. Hear me. He began to beat himself up so much. And there was already a church there. It was about 150 people. He beat himself up so bad, he resigned from the church. And, and, and he wasn't out crazy doing that. He just was, it was a lot of inward things and struggles that he was having. He resigned the church and he went out and bought a little cart, and he would sell stuff on the streets. And, and then others from the church would see him. He's like, why are you doing this? He's like, I, I must not be saved if I'm tempted with all these things. My brothers and sisters, that is a lie of Satan. Do you hear me this morning? That is a lie of the devil. That is not God's voice. That is not God's will. And that is not God's plan for your life. Can you say Amen. See, the devil wants us to think that our failures are mistakes, that they are final. And the second part of this verse in Micah 7, 8 says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I will rise again. When I sit in darkness, the light will come. And some of you are sitting in darkness. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to bring you out of darkness today. Today, if you will hear this message. And so, so you might have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. There's a difference. You might have failed, but you're not a failure. There's a difference. Now, we can all attest to the temptations that our flesh and the devil torment us with. Can I get an amen? We've all messed up. We've all done something that was sinful or sin. I mean, I mean, we've had, we, we had to try it and we, we had to do it. And, and, you know, so, some of you may experience with drugs, or alcohol, and now you're addicted or you have deeper addictions. Some of you had to maybe try or do something that you were tempted with and lost your purity or maybe your virginity. And, and if you could go back, if you could go back, you would give anything to go back and change that night or that place or that situation that changed everything in your life. You would do it. You know, I grew up, I was born in 1964. You could do the calculations. I'm almost 55. <clears throat> I got a lot of benefits, I say, here at that, 55, huh? <laughs> uh, but, but I grew up in the 1970s, so mid-70s, I was a teenager. And <laughs> when I was a teenager as kids, I mean, we, we, would, we had this thing behind our house called Down Back. And uh, down back was just, I don't know, just, you know, dirt pits, you know, gravel pits. It was just down back. It was a piggery. There was ponds down there. And, 
And uh, we would ride dirt bikes, we'd climb trees, we'd build rafts. We didn't play video games during the day because there wasn't any at that time. <clears throat> and we would collect tadpoles. Come on. I mean, I mean them tadpoles. I would love that when those lakes come out and I, I used to put them in a fish tank and we would trap frogs and we would launch bottle rockets when we shouldn't to catch the fields on fire. And then, the, you know, see the fire trucks come and just stand there and watch. And we build, we, this is what we did as kids. Come on now, I'm the, uh, getting the 50s. You know what I'm talking about right now. I mean, we, we, we're like the little rascals. We build ramps for dirt bikes and every day we woke up, it was like a new adventure. There were no worries. It's just like, Oh, you, you know those times when you, you could sleep like 12 hours? I, I don't know what that's like, but you, you could, you know, and you woke up, I'm so refreshed. I don't know what that's like, but, you know, and then you go, what are we doing today? And do all these fun, exciting things out there. Uh, there was no personal computers. There was no cell phones. There was no internet. No MP3 players, just records. Come on now. Do you remember the records? Some of you still have. You know, the records. Eight, and there were some eight-track tapes. And Atari was just coming in on the scene in the early 80s, actually. It was just coming on the scene. And, and some of you remember the Space Invaders. Come on now. Or Asteroids. Yeah. Some of you look at Pac-Man. Pac-Woman. Come on. And, 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 you know, here's the thing I'm trying to say. For scene issues, I mean, yeah, we were flesh pots. I mean, we were just kids. And, but if we... You know, I mean, pretty much if we stayed away from sin, sin for the most part stayed away from us. It didn't really bother us per se. I mean, once again, we weren't no angels, but we were, we, we were tempted in the flesh. It's just like any other kids were. But it's different for this generation. It's different. It's very different. I mean, if you wanted pornography, you had to go to the 7-Eleven store or in New England, they had the Christie Mart. And you had to go at the guy at the counter Okay, and, and you had to tell him that, you know, you wanted some porn in front of a bunch of people that are all waiting in line. Come on now. They're all waiting in line. And, and, and so he would go, go in the back behind, come on now, behind the counter, and they would be all covered. Okay, they used to do that back then. And you couldn't see. And then he would take a magazine and put it out. And then, and then the last thing he would say, and all these people looking at you like, you're some major pervert, you know, you're some. And then he would go, how old are you? I mean, it's different now in this generation. You say, Pastor, is that what you're going to talk about? No, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk to you about something to lift you out of the lies of the enemy. See, this generation, it it doesn't have that. I mean, sin has become brazen and bold. Sin is stalking us all. Come on. I want you to wake up here this morning. Sin is after us all. And and the devil is using every avenue and everything he can to get us. Let me just share about righteousness. Righteousness is not permission to sin. But righteousness is permission to come back home to God. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Coming back home to God. You might have fallen. You might have failed. you, You might have made a mistake. But you are not a mistake in God's eyes. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to hear this, church. God will never define you by the worst mistake or choice you made in life. I'm going to say that again for that one amen. God will never define you by the worst mistake or choice you made in life. Critics will. 
attackers, haters will, people will, even some family members will and hold things against you. But, but God will never define you by your worst mistake. Thank you for those amens. You know, Psalm 117, 2, powerful verse says, great is his mercy towards us. Great is his mercy. You know, I love the story of Simon Peter in Mark 16, 7. It says, now go and tell his disciples after the resurre- resurrection, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there, just as he told you before he died. You know, the setting here in this verse is after the resurrection. And I love the fact that God loved Peter after he messed up and he denied the Lord three times. This is what this is about, this verse right here. And that's why when the angel appeared at the tomb, the angels was instructed after Jesus rose and said, I want you to tell the disciples when they come and say it like this. You tell my disciples and Simon Peter, I want you to include his name. Not just go down my disciples, because why? Simon screwed up. He gave up everything. He denied the Lord. Come on, he wept bitterly, and he went out back fishing. When they came back, that, that word from those disciples, is, they said, you know, tell him he's going on to Jerusalem. And Simon, just think of you feeling like Simon, you denied the Lord, and you're in the room, and they're all waiting there, and then you hear your name. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, and I want you there. I want you there. I mean, the same guy who denied Christ, the same guy who lied, the same guy who cut a man and he got violent, the same guy who fell and he failed miserably. And the angel said, you tell my disciples and you tell Peter. Jesus named him specifically. Why did he name Peter? Well, I believe that Jesus wanted his critics to hear. Yes, I do believe in my good disciples. Yes, I do believe in them, but I also believe in my fallen disciples. I also believe in my sons and my daughters that have made mistakes, that have screwed up. I'm still there for them. Can you say amen this morning? And today I'm here to preach to some people who have messed up. And the enemy has told you that your call or your life is over. Your dream is finished. You don't have any hope. There's really no future for you because you screwed up so bad. And that's a lie of the enemy. God brought you, I believe, today to this service and those of you listening by audio or on television just to let you know that there's restoration available to you and God still has his hand on your life. He still has his hand on your life. Amen. That's amazing, amazing. You know, it's amazing that it was Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost where over 3,000 people, the Bible said, were saved when he preached on the day of Pentecost. Notice, Jesus didn't choose any of the other disciples. Who did he choose? He chose the disciple that screwed up. He used the disciple that made a mistake, that denied him. That's who he chose. He could have chose anyone else, John. He could have, but Peter stood up. That's restoration. That's the love of God. Can you say amen? His name is Steve Wim. And he's a lover of art. He's a billionaire. I think Forbes has him at three plus billion. He has three billion people. He lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he made his money off of casinos or hotels that he owns. And he's most famous as a builder. But I want to tell you something before we receive communion here in in a minute that happened to him that I believe that speaks to all of our lives today. I said he's a lover of art. Back in 2001, he bought a painting some say 50 million, some 60 million. 
60 million, okay? 60 million, y'all, okay? A painting. And the painting is called Le Rêve, which in French means the dream, and that's a picture of the painting there. And it was painted back in 1932 by a man named Pablo Picasso. He painted that painting. And he paid $60 million for that painting. Now, not just because he's an art collector, he loved that painting because it was called The Dream. That's what he loved about it. And it meant something emotionally to him. Because he said, when I started out in life, I had nothing but a dream and a dream to build and a dream to do something with my life. And I've always wanted to own that painting. And so, so he bought that painting, $60 million. And he holds on to it for five years. He would put it in the lobbies of his hotel and some of the nice five-star hotels that he has and in Vegas. And people would go see as they gambled, spent all their money. And they would see the painting there in person by Picasso. And, but then something happened just five years later. Even though he loved the dream, that painting, he had a chance to get two other paintings in, that he always wanted to own. And so, so a man from New York City who is an investment banker named Mr. Cohen, called Steve Wynn and said, I want to own the dream painting, and I'll pay you $139 million for it. So five years later, I know we're all just rejoicing over these numbers here this morning. Five years, it's a different world, different planet. <laughs> five years later, he made $79 million over that painting. You know what? I broke that down. That's $43,288 a day just for perspective. Now, because Steve Winnie was so emotionally attached to this painting, he said, you know, I'm going to have a party. I'm going to throw a huge party, and I'm going to invite who's who and whatever, and I'm going to bring them uh, to Las Vegas, and, and they're going to be in one of my fine hotels, and I'm going to give a presentation, and they're going to take the painting, the dream, and they're going to bring it all the way to New York City, and, and just uh, anyone that's important, I'm going to have them fly in, and famous people, and, and uh, go throw this big party. So this is a true story. You can Google this after I'm done with my message. And so, so Steve gets up, but he's, he's got this eye disease and he has problems seeing. And he can't really measure distance well. And so that night to celebrate the dream, he had it on an easel beside him. And as he's talking and he's moving his arms and uh, he begins to lose his balance and, and then he trips and falls and boom, he punctures the picture. The dream. He ripped a hole in it, a $139 million dream that's ripped. And the dream was torn. The dream was destroyed. And the audience was aghast. What did you just do? So he calls Mr. Cohen from New York and he apologizes profusely. And he said, you know what? The dream has been destroyed. It was an accident. And I'm sorry. I, I don't know how I fell, but I did. But I, I destroyed the dream. And I'm sorry, but I was falling. And I don't, I'm sorry. But he said to that New York investor, he said, don't worry. I want to buy it back from you for what you paid me, $139 million. And he said, I must fix the dream. You just can't take that picture, shove it in some closet somewhere. It's been damaged. And, 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 and I, once again, I'm a, a lover of art. He said, and, and not just an art collector. And he said, I'll rather lose $79 million. I don't care. I need to do something with the dream. I need to fix that. 
So Mr. Cohen said, okay, you're crazy, but I'll give you the torn painting, and you just lost tens of millions of dollars. So Steve Wynn, he began to search the whole world for what's actually called an art surgeon. <laughs> That's a, maybe a, a field maybe some of you ought to consider getting into. <laughs> an art surgeon or a restorer. He found a man in Europe. So he flew him over, and this art surgeon took a look at the dream, and he made this final analysis, and he said this, I can fix it. I can fix the broken dream. I can fix it. And so he said, as a matter of fact, when I'm finished with it, from the front, watch this, nobody will even be able to tell that it's ever been damaged before. I see how I can do it, but it's going to take time. It's going to take some time to restore this. Actually, at least a year to restore. It's going to take some time. And it's not going to be instant. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be quick. You know, church, the word restoration doesn't just have the word restore in it, but it has the word rest in it. Did you hear that? Rest. Because if God's really going to restore your life after your dreams have been torn to pieces, you got to give God some time. Amen? You got to give him some time. Give him some moments. Give him some moments like this today where you hear the word of God and you're, 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 you're receiving from the Lord through worship and praise. Little by little, what's going to happen is Jesus, hear me, is going to piece your life back together again. That's restoration. It includes rest. So one year later, sure enough, um, from the front, you could not see that it was ever damaged. This guy, this art surgeon, he fixes this, the dream. And then they brought in the greatest art inspectors. And they looked at the painting and the dream after it had been restored. And they all agreed that it was absolutely perfect from the front. You couldn't, you couldn't tell. They said, that is absolutely perfect. So from the front, it looked like it had never been through what it had been through. But the art surgeon did say this. He said, now after, if you, if you, you know, I just want you to know, if you turn around, it's going to be ugly on the backside. It's going to be ugly. It's going to have repair work and restoration work. And people will see this in the front, but, but, but those who know the real story will know that the reason that it looks like this out front is because it's been restored from the inside out. And there's going to be some scars in the back. Are you tracking with me this morning? I really feel like the Lord is saying some of you here today that when God gets through with you, you're not going to look like what you've been through. Why? Why do you say that, Pastor Mike? You know, out of the mistakes come ministry in your life. Out of the pain comes anointing. Out of the ashes come beauty, if you'll let the Lord use that part of your life. You know, we don't want to say, some of you say, well, God, use me, use me. Don't say that, you know, God, use you if you're not willing to go through some pain. If you're not willing to have some scars and mistakes, that's why the Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. You are whole. You are restored by his stripes. And I really feel before we receive communion here that God is challenging us all. And he's saying, I still have plans for your life. Yes, people are going to focus on the scars, the backside, the mistakes of your life. <clears throat> but the Bible says that only God can turn your weeping into joy. Only he can restore the dream in your life and put you back together again. Now, here's the amazing part. This is the amazing part of the whole story. The same guy in New York City, Mr. Cohen, he called Steve Wynn a year later, and he said, you know what, I, 
I've seen and I've heard what you did with the dream, and it's amazing how you had it restored, and I want that painting back. Before I said I'd pay you $139 million for it, but that was before it was torn. He goes on to say, but now that the dream has been restored, I'm willing to pay you $155 million for it. Why? Why? Because he said it's worth more to me after it's been restored. Stand with me if you would, please. After it's been restored, after it's been through the test, after it's been through the pain, after it's been through the mistakes, it's worth more to me after it's been through the failure. Church, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us all today, after your dream has been torn, if you will just get back up, draw near to God, allow the Holy Spirit to restore your life, your life only increases in value, not decreases. Proverbs 24, 16, we'll conclude with this communion. Bible says a righteous man or woman falls seven times a day, but he gets back up again. A righteous man or woman falls seven times a day. Righteousness, hear me, is not determined by how many times you fall. Hear me. The rest of the verse goes on to say, but he rises again. Righteousness is determined after you had the failure. Do you get back up? Do you get back up? Do you turn your pain into praise and worship? That's what God is saying. Because if you do that, he will restore you. He will restore you. And out of those ashes, beauty will rise again. Every head bowed here this morning. I don't know how long it will take. It might take a while for some of you. But out of the ugly things in your life will come beauty if you get back up again. If you allow the Holy Spirit to restore you. Holy Spirit is here. He's dealing with people right now. The Holy Spirit is healing some people right now. Some of you, you felt you've been on the shelf in like that damaged, precious photo picture. You're worthless. But God is in the restoration business. He's in the business of taking what is broken, what is damaged. And he repairs it that only he can do. Yeah, from the backside, there's scars. There's things that we remember. Yeah, and other people will say, you know what, that's you. I know who you are. But that's not how our God is. That's not how our God is. With every head bowed, you're here this morning. He's a pastor I'm I have fallen so far backwards. I don't even know if I can go forward. I need just to get right with Jesus. I need to get right with the Lord. And you're sensing the Holy Spirit drawing you in here this morning. It's God that is here. I said, that's God, the Holy Spirit that is here. He's healing, he's touching, he's drawing. And that was my prayer this morning, that that there would just be a magnetic effect here of the love of God to restore people back to him. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm so far. At, at one time I professed Christ, but now I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know where I'm at. And I need Jesus to locate me. That's you. 
without any hand showing, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I would like us to pray corporately before we receive communion here. You say, Pastor, I need to be restored. I need to be restored. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. If you're ready to make that commitment and step, pray with me as we pray together. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I've fallen so far. Jesus, I come back to you. Jesus, restore my life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Now restore me. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today at the Ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.